Hello and welcome to the Movie Mouth Podcast. This is your co-host Miles, and on this week's show we'll have an incredible interview with stunt performer Pablo Vadeo, whose resume of daring do stunts include Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Dark Knight Rises, among many others. We'll also have a review of Hulu's new time loop comedy Palm Springs, starring Andy Samberg, and we'll be pitting two money-themed movies against themselves in Video Store Corner, where we will ask you whether Money Plane or Money Train will run away with the cash. Well, you'll find out all about that later in the show. When we first started researching setting up the Movie Mouth podcast, everybody told us that 90% of podcasts fail before the seventh episode. Well, folks, today is that seventh episode. I don't know what to say, really. Three minutes till the biggest battle of our professional lives all comes down to today. Now, either we heal as a team or we're going to crumble inch by inch, play by play till we're finished. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. That's a team, gentlemen. And either we heal now as a team or we'll die as individuals. That's podcast, guys. That's all it is. Now, what are you going to do? As we suit up and stare into the oblivion of episode seven, I look to my left to see a man with more scars than Quint. More cars than Steve McQueen, and more bras than Shirley MacLaine. It's Phil. <laughs> Hi, Phil. Hello. How are Hello. you this week? I'm good, thanks. Very good. How are you? Wonderful. Truly, Brilliant. truly wonderful. I'm glad. What have you been watching this week, me old mucker? I'm afraid it's not that new this week Mm-mm. for the stuff I've been watching. I've carried on with um, Dark season three on Netflix. Okay. I think, I don't know. I think we're like four episodes into that now. And how dark uh, is it? Did five. you have to turn the brightness up on your TV? That's very funny. Uh, and the I finished, uh, finally finished Snowpiercer. So mm-hmm. on Netflix as well. So the first series of that, and you loved it from really, the start. So what was the what did you find in the without any spoilers? What did you you find about the ending? I really enjoyed it. I think it had a it had a good end, a good setup for season two. Okay, I'm sure there will be a season two because you know it's all leading to that. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's it's nothing like absolutely amazing, but it kept me fully entertained throughout the whole ten episodes of season one. So yeah. Very cool. I'm gonna. I, I, I promise like you, I'm gonna. I'm gonna watch that from next week when I can stream hmm. it. Very cool. I um, yeah. I didn't actually watch anything this week apart from the movies that we reviewed and to discuss today. I I was actually catching up on my reading, and if you're one of the Instagram followers on the at in, uh, the at uh, Movie Mouth Podcast um, Instagram handle, you would have seen that I picked up the Jim Carrey book, the new novel. Um, mm. or autobiography or whatever it may be called, um, which is called Memoirs and Misinformation. It's by Jim Carrey. It's his first ever book. And also uh, his co-writer, Dana Vachon, um, who I guess kind of kept him on the rails in this first kind of, uh, this first foray into, right. into the novel world. 
Um, and it's kind of intended as a, a memoir, but I mean, it's pretty much all from what I can gather fiction apart from some of his comments, but this is situated deeply um, into, uh, into, into the Hollywood universe. So it, it, it's, it's very relevant for our listeners, I think. Um, in it, this book sees uh, Jim Carrey um, as in the third person, um, struggling with you know the status of his career to date, the sense of meaning beyond his name, um, you know, reviewing certain projects. He, for example, uh, is courted by Charlie Kaufman, of course, who uh, wrote Being John Malkovich, um, Adaptation, mm-hmm. um, Eternal Sunshine. And uh, in this, he is courted by <laughs> Charlie Kaufman to play the role of uh, Chairman Mao <laughs> in the, uh, the, the Chinese uh, government. Um, and uh, it's a really, it, anyway, it starts out really interesting and it goes into really strange, unusual places. Um, but most importantly, he brings in a lot of Hollywood actors into his friendship group who may or may not be his friends. And in this case, he actually states Nicolas Cage as his best friend in the novel and he kind of teams up with him. <laughs> they face an apocalyptic threat together um, the likes of which the world has never seen. And I want to read an excerpt on this week's show um, just to kind of give you the level of detail. Again, this isn't a spoiler for the book. This may or may not be actually happening in Jim Carrey's mind in the book here. Um, so just to give you some context, Jim Carrey and his Hollywood friends are holed up in a Malibu shopping mall about to be confronted by alien snakes driving metallic exoskeletons down over the Hollywood Hills and down to potentially vaporize them. So, okay. Sean Penn lighting a fresh camel off of an old camel cigarette turns to the group and says, I want Nicholas Cage, Sally May and Jim Carrey on this anti-aircraft gun above the Chipotle. Watch the Hills start firing. When you see them, lure them in, then abandon and fall back. But you fire until the very last Draw them down onto Cross Creek Road, right into our claymores. Make those alien cunts confetti, said Gwyneth Paltrow, clapping her hands. The battle paint was clearly changing her. Dance to the music of their agony. It'll definitely slow them down, said Carla. That's when Gwyneth Paltrow, Sean Penn and I all launch white phosphorus grenades from Urban Outfitters, distract them, turn their flank. Then Willow, John Travolta and the Scientologists... You guys light him up with plasma blasters from Traverna Tony and Greek restaurant. Ugh, Traverna Tony's my favorite, gasped John Travolta. The fried halloumi, so worth the calories. Yeah, said Carla. Well, tonight they're serving grilled alien. They'll be caught in a crossfire as Jim Carrey, Nicolas Cage and Sally May close in from Chipotle. More plasma blasting, clearly cutting off all escape. A classic Taliban trap. This is how I lost my arm and leg. She hiked up her pants to show them all the titanium leg. It revived their spirits. Some proof that the powerless could prevail over the powerful. So inspiring, the actors, that they now competed to own the moment with a line for the ages. Let's make some alien widows, said Sean Penn. Let's turn them into mincemeat and masticate them, said John Travolta. Let's pour salt on these slugs, said Nicolas Cage. Let's kill for killing's sake and rejoice in how it changes us, said Gwyneth Paltrow. I want to play slip and slide in their fucking guts. (laughs) I don't know if this is real, said Jim Carrey, but I can't afford to doubt it. 
end scene. So this is a fucking book that if you like that, you have to check it out. It's available on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle. You can even get it on Audible right now. And it's actually read by Jim Carrey's Dumb and Dumber cohort, Jeff Daniels, on Audible as the audiobook version. So I highly, highly recommend it. It blew my friggin' mind and I read it in about two sittings. So yeah. I wanna I wanna live in his brain. <laughs> Me after reading that, I definitely don't, but uh <laughs> I do want to be his best friend and just love him and look after him. <laughs> So this week's listener question comes in from Colin in Cheshire Park, which is in London, I believe. Hi, Miles and Phil. Big fan of the podcast and love pointing out some of the small and also major errors you make during each show. Thanks, Colin. My question (laughs) is, if if you could be any character in one of the following genres, who would you be and why? A sci-fi movie, a historical movie, and a contemporary-ish action adventure. Phil, you can start us off. Who would you be in a sci-fi movie? Sci-fi. I I'm going to go for, and this is a comedy sci-fi, but I'm going to go for Doctor Peter Venkman. Oh, um, Venkman. <laughs> I mean, you know. He's but a... Phil, Phil, you didn't say the magic word. <laughs> he's, you know, he's he's an arsehole, isn't he? Basically, <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> he's a he's flippant, but that's what I like about him. And I think he's a scientist, and he, he's clearly a clever man. Um. Which I'm clearly not, but his <laughs> he's you know he is he that a lot clever, of clever though? Stuff. I don't think he is, dude. Because he's he like... is. He's got a degree in no. parapsychology and psychology. No, but they're like it's debatable whether he actually does. That's the whole thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, yeah, but he, also he's just a sales guy, man. He's a he's the marketing. Oh, but he helps to invent some of the stuff. I think that they use but he also does he uh he's also the only like sociable the only one with any social sort of wits about him i don't know i reckon win i reckon winston when he goes out to a bar oh winston later on but like when when he's out with ray and egon it's just like egon's on about his mold spore collection spores molds and fungus and ray's just a Old, but you're he? not Just an arsehole, though, Phil. You're not an arsehole. Can I, can I be honest with you? Can I be yeah, honest with you? You're going to call me Ray, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I knew you'd say it. I put Peter Venkman for this answer because I'm an arsehole. And I'm All right. underqualified <laughs> for everything that I've ever done. And <laughs> you are, without a doubt, Ray Stans. <laughs> <laughs> I should have thought this through. <laughs> oh, I love it though. I thought you were going to set this up perfectly. We didn't but discuss Peter the so much cooler than Ray. Exactly, Phil. I hate right, you. moving on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Give me a give me a historical movie that you'd be proud historical. Of. Yeah, for me, it's not that historical. But I'm going to go indie. Ooh. I mean, it's oh, that's historical. 19... Yeah, yeah, it's nineteen thirty-six, isn't it? The first one, mm-hmm. something like that. It is because I looked it up. 
Uh, and <laughs> I mean, how there's not many cooler than Indy out there. The stuff he's, <laughs> the countries travel, the countries he's traveled to, the, yeah. the adventures he's had. <laughs> the things and he's Sean Connor is his dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. I can see that. I can see that. I mean, your sideways look, your uncomfortable look when the guy jumps out with the sword. And he's just throwing it around in the, you know, in the marketplace, and then you just pull out a pistol and blow him away <laughs> to shoot him. I could, yeah. def- I could definitely see you doing that. <laughs> I would hundred percent do that. Um, uh, I'd love that. I, I, uh, I went for Kevin Costner in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see. I'll see that. Arash, uh, Robin of Luxley. Um, <laughs> awesome hair. An American Great accent, hair. even though he's from Sheffield in England. Yeah. Um, but I get to hang out with my best mate, Morgan Freeman, every day. Like, wouldn't that be friggin' amazing? It would be um, nice. He could just swing in through the trees. Tell you stories to make you go to sleep. Fanny! Sign me up. <laughs> Action adventure. Yeah, Come on. Action. I'm going to go for um, John Matrix from Commando. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, I mean, there's lots of other ones that you might think, yeah, you know, James mm. Bond or Ethan Hunt, Mission Impossible. But John Matrix, he's just a, he's awesome. He's built like a brick shit house. Mm-hmm. He knows his way around all of the military weaponry from mm-hmm. the looks of it. Uh, he smokes cigars. He can fly a plane. Uh, he, can... he can smoke cigars. You say smoking cigars like it's a skill, like something you have to, yeah, but he, he have sm- to learn. Yeah, but he smokes cigars and makes it look good. Like he does that while unloading like bandoliers of gr- grenades. Like a stogie. From a, from a, from a, smoke a stogie. <laughs> Plus, he has some of the yeah, the best like one-liners while he's killing people going. I mean, one hundred percent. It doesn't get much cooler than John Matrix from Commando. Would you throw someone off of a cliff and say, "I lied"? <laughs> when he promised to kill him last, yeah. I lied. I lied. <laughs> Wait, I'd kill someone on a plane, and when the flight attendant comes to check on him, I'd say, uh, Excuse my friend, he's dead tired. Oh, Bill Duke. And then you climb out of the undercarriage of the uh, of the plane. Yeah. <laughs> also, your daughter is Alyssa Milano. Yep. Which is, you know, a shame for you, but good for me, because it means that I now know Alyssa Milano, and I'm 100% going to propose to your daughter. To get married, you wouldn't know because I'm Arnie. Like, and if I didn't want that to happen, that's you true. No, you're not Arnie. You're not Arnie. You're John Matrix. I'm John. <laughs> well, a, yeah, I'm John Matrix. You're a fucking killing machine. I'm a commando, literally. Imagine that if I was doing a podcast with John Matrix, <laughs> a movie <laughs> podcast. So, John, tell us what did you watch this week? I watched people suffering and dying, and I blew them away. <laughs> <laughs> and if, uh, we've got an interview next, so stick around. <laughs> Stop stabbing the interviewees, <laughs> Phil. John. I went with... Um, so I went for more of the adventure than the action side. I, I went for 
the one, the only, the chaotician, Dr. Ian Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. Oh, that's good. I know. I have a deplorable personality. I get to drip water droplets down Laura Dern's wrist. (laughs) (laughs) And I get to smirk at one big pile of shit. I also get to rock an awesome leather jacket, even in Hawaii, in the middle of what appears to be summertime. Um, yeah. You're um, all black, like literally. Exactly. And also, I believe in chaos. Like, chaos is what drives me forward. Um, so I'm there. I'm there for Ian Malcolm. I don't even care that I have to get over the wounds. Because ultimately, even though he's like an unlucky hero, like he should never have lit that flare and, you know, distracted the the t-rex um and Mm. then subsequently been flung through the the toilet area um (laughs) he still turns out as like a hero of this movie do you know what i mean you still think of him as a hero yeah um and then you know we see him obviously in the lost world um going back to the scene of the crime so yeah 100 percent. i'm i'm dr ian malcolm in this case and i love that colin that question colin so thank you very much for that and uh if we made any errors there be sure to reach out to our lawyers and you can find them at uh, lawyers at moviemouthpodcast.com. <laughs> so, Phil, what have we got in the news this week? What have you been seeing? In the news. So the first uh, thing I saw, which is mm. mildly interesting, is the um, because I've been going on the last few weeks about the way people are trying to go to get the cinema experience during the lockdown. Mm. And there's been a lot of talk about drive-in cinemas and, um, you know, open air stuff. And then I saw an article about uh, floating cinemas this week. So it's, it's, I think it's been announced that in a few cities across the U S this is, this is nothing to do with the UK, but across the U S um, they're going to offer floating cinemas. So you'll get in a little boat. Well, not all of you, your little bubble. So the people you're happy with, um, get in a boat, in a small boat. And the people you're happy this, with. <laughs> you know what I mean? The people you feel safe with. I would they haven't got the that. virus. I'd struggle with that. Am I happy with that? Person? It'd just be you in a boat, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be me in a boat in my Dr. Venkman outfit. <laughs> Shouting at the screen. Uh, so yeah, you just get in a boat. Uh, apparently they're going to have 12 to 24 mini boats equally distanced apart at least six feet um it's it sounds pretty interesting there's a, a funny artistic rendering of it just all these people floating in boats watching a big pop-up screen i think that could be pretty cool it's I'll a floating theater yeah and apparently the popcorn is free so that's quite good Ooh. Is that because you have to scoop it out with a net? <laughs> <laughs> they float it over on another little boat to you. Uh, sounds no, I don't like know. a lot of fun. I've seen yeah, like there's, they have like like um, kind of pool party uh, theaters over here in New York. You get a lot of um, like rubber. You can sit in a rubber ring, that kind of thing, and like float and right. watch a movie. Which they do like Jaws and stuff like that, which would be really freaky. Yeah, that's that's really cool. What a great idea. We need to yeah. we need to go to one of these on the podcast soon and actually review review one. Yeah, well, I think the one that's that I've been talking about is close to me. The driving, the world's <laughs> apparently the world's largest indoor drive-in cinema. So it's opening soon. the world's largest indoor drive-in <laughs> cinema in Haywards Heath in 
England, in <laughs> the United Kingdom, in Europe. <laughs> in a farm shed, no doubt. <laughs> Someone's farm shed. You yeah. killed my pine! You I killed my pine! There. Old I mean, man Peabody's back. farm. <laughs> I mean, they're showing Back to the Future and the Goonies, so why wouldn't I want to go? Done. What else have you seen this old? I've also seen... Now, this is very exciting. So this is about uh, a new film that Netflix has picked up or, Mm -hmm. I guess, bought the rights for, as they seem to be doing a lot these days, but I'm not complaining. They make some decent stuff. Mm -hmm. So this is called The Grey Man. Oh, the sequel to The Invisible Man. (laughs) I I don't think so. (laughs) It's not quite invisible, but there's something grey over there. And it's coming towards me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's in the corner of my room and it appears to be a man. It's a little bit grey. It might be touching itself. <laughs> I think he's been sick or something. Um, he's been sick. So, yeah. Because <laughs> so, he's grey. Um, Is this a comedy? It's not a comedy, no. Mm. It's uh, it's described as an action thriller um, and it's about a deadly duel between two killers. So it's not a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's going to star, and this sounds really good. It's going to star Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. Wow! Um, and it's going to be directed by the Russo brothers. Oh, Joe and Anthony Russo. Can who... we refer to them as the Holy Russo brothers after Avengers: Endgame and Avengers: Infinity War? Because well, I'll tell you when I've seen both of those. Up. They have to. Yeah, oh, ridiculous, ridiculous. <laughs> But yeah, so this could be very good. Uh, and apparently the, it's um, the goal is to create uh, like a new action franchise with it. Okay. So the Grey Man could, 1. The, the Purple Man 2. Man, the Mauve, Mauve Man. Man. That's better. <laughs> the Mauve, people would pronounce it Mauve. Hey, the Marv Man. You see that movie, The Marv Man with Gosling? <laughs> You mean the Mothman prophecies? No. I mean, <laughs> I mean the you Mothman. Know, when Ryan Gosling looks in the sink and he sees a, a, a tiny Chris Evans in the bottom of the sink dressed like a moth. <laughs> <laughs> That's I all I remember that. from that movie is that, um, uh, who's it? Who's in that? Richard Gere Richard looks Gere? in the sink and he sees a tiny Mothman in the bottom of the sink looking up at him. <laughs> I don't remember that. That That's happened all. in that movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's cool. I, I I picked up on uh, Tenet, so more Tenet news. Obviously, it's it's still scheduled to be coming out twelfth of August this year. I don't think that's going to happen. I really hope it is. But here in the US, yeah. the, the movie theaters still aren't open, so I can't. I honestly can't see that happening. Um, it's now you know July seventeenth. So, um, but it's just been released, announced that that Tenet is officially two hours and exactly thirty minutes long which is just wild. It's just classic Chris Nolan. Like he would get this two hours, exactly 30 minutes long as a movie, <laughs> which is yeah. a nice runtime. Not too long, not too short. Um, it's as long as the last days of American crime that we, that we reviewed a few weeks oh back on God. Netflix. Never watch it. Never watch it. Um, <laughs> Don't. But, you know, imagine walking into a Chris Nolan film for two and a half hours. So really, really looking forward to that. Uh, you picked up on some trailers this week as well, Phil. Yeah, um, trailers I watched. First one was um, another Netflix release. So this comes out on the 14th of August, and this is called Project Power. Mm-hmm. And 
stars Jamie Foxx, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Dominique Fishback. Uh, and this looks really cool. It's, it's basically, it, it, it's about, uh, I think it's set in the present, but it's about a, a pill that exists. And if you take that pill, you gain unpredictable superpowers for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, when you say that out loud, it sounds a bit ridiculous, really. But in the in the trailer, it looks really cool. Like, so you don't know what's going to happen to you or how you're going to react to the pill. But what? So you don't know what superpower you're going to get. No, you don't know what you're going to get. So in the trailer, you see people that are like, you know, on fire. Like, you know, they're like they can control fire around them. Some of them can fly. Some of them can do. I mean, to be honest, like, it super sound strength. That original. It doesn't sound that original. This just sounds like me after my first Jaeger bomb of the night. <laughs> what, you think you got a superpowers for five minutes? Oh, 100%, 100%. For at least five minutes, and then I need another one. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I think it looks really good. It look, yeah, it's nothing groundbreakingly original, but I, I like the this? fact that they only last for like five minutes. Because like, I think Gordon Levitt, by the look of the trailer, he plays like a, a, a cop in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he like takes the pills to help him while he's needs to take down people mm. so yeah, it looks really good uh, it looks like it's got some impressive um computer effects and stuff in it as well so with these kind of high high concept kind of like thriller that the kind of comic uh kind of comic book movies that aren't really comic books i yeah. always worry because i remember going to see hancock the will smith movie um oh yeah which i absolutely friggin hated with a passion like does anyone mm. like that movie it's a just such a bad movie and i just worry oh. that this this movie might be that i mean i did hear that project power was was in the can about two years ago so we've been waiting a couple of years for this movie to actually come out um right so that that's always that's always a bit of a worry um it actually in a nice segue i saw the new the latest trailer for the new mutant the new mutants which is the originally 20th century fox continuation to some extent of the x-men saga yeah um and this is uh it, it's it's kind of a, a shift in tone which is really interesting um it's almost like a kind of haunted house or haunted asylum type um type movie um which which features uh anya taylor joy who was in uh, the witch she was absolutely incredible in the witch Maisie Williams, of course, Arya Stark in Game of Thrones. Uh, Charlie Hest, uh, Charlie Heaton, who was in, um, he's probably best known for being um, Stranger Things. Will's older yep. brother in in Stranger Things. Um, and this this was this was actually like I said, it was supposed to come out a little while ago. I think that Fox initially were concerned about about releasing this. Um, they they pushed it back initially. It was supposed to come out in April twenty eighteen. So two years, over two years ago from this time of recording, it was then delayed to February 2019. So again, over a year ago from here, it was then pushed to August 2019. And then when Disney purchased Fox, it was pushed back and again to April 2020. So we would have seen this by now in order to make room for the release of X-Men Dark Phoenix. Um, But then, of course, you know, on uh, March 12th, 2020, the whole COVID shutdown, the lockdown that we had, so it's now been it's now been pushed back. So, um, its its current release date is now August twenty eighth, twenty twenty. So, could be interesting. From what I understand, it may be um, a misfire. 
Um, but certainly with that cast, I'd love to see it. And uh, it's been long gestating, so I think a lot of fans will want to, you know, certainly get get a look at this, um, get a look at this movie. Yeah, yeah, I've seen the trailer for it. It looked, it looked, it looked okay. But, you know, reserve judgment on it. As the world's largest Bruce Willis fan, tell us about Hard Kill. Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, this is um, a release coming out on twenty eighth of August. Hard Kill, starring Bruce Willis and. Uh, Jesse Metcalf from mm-hmm. John Tucker Must Die and mm-hmm. Sergio Rizzuto. Yeah, and he, he was in uh, Escape Plan 3. I think he's looking him up as about the most notable thing he's done. Um, <laughs> and this is about a billionaire tech CEO played by Willis. Uh, of course. And he hi- yeah, of course. And he hires a group of mercenaries to protect his work against... Uh, a terrorist group that kidnaps his I'd, daughter. I'd love to know to what try his and get work them. is like his building. Oh, I, I, no, he's he's. Uh, I think he's like a. I don't know if he, I don't know to be honest. It, I, I only watched the trailer once. Can I, I ask a, a question? Is this is this something that you're going to get me excited about? Like we did with like you did with Money Plane. No, uh, and then ultimately have to review it in the uh, in the podcast so that I have to watch it. <laughs> no because no, i don't really i really like bruce willis but this looks pretty bad i'm not i'm not really uh that excited about it to be honest you got this yeah. me all right sounds mm. like we'll be giving that one a miss i can't even remember the last time bruce willis was in a really decent movie i'm gonna say off the top of my head looper maybe looper um, was good yeah it's been a long time since he's really been in anything. I think that's really captured the the, the zeitgeist. I know he was in Motherless Brooklyn, directed by Edward Norton. Um, I thought Glass was a real misfire. M Night Shyamalan as mm. the kind of the closing point of that um, David Dunn trilogy that started with Untouchable. Um, um, uh, sorry, Unbreakable, and then Unbreakable. and then obviously yeah, and then and then. Uh, uh, you know, from from that point onwards, I think I'm, I'm looking back through his his career here. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe Looper in 2012 was the last time that he was attached to something that really you know hit it off with critics and um, and and viewers alike. So he's in the Red films, wasn't he? Like Red One and Two. With... Yeah, I mean, Red Two wasn't they did great, right, didn't they? Red Two wasn't I didn't, great. I don't I mean, think I saw Red was, Two. This was also... No, it was directed by your friend Dean Parazzo, who uh, is directing uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music and yeah. directed Galaxy Quest. Uh, it was not a great movie, um, but Red was actually before Looper. Um, so, Oh, well, yeah. there we are then. Come on, Bruce, sort it out. Getting something sort amazing. Yeah. Just not another Die Hard movie. We're done. All right. So um, this week, we're going to jump to a amazing interview our next guest is an extremely experienced film and tv professional who's been seen performing daring do stunts playing roles and doubling actors in such incredible productions as the dark knight rises game of thrones mission impossible rogue nation various star wars and marvel features and most recently in gareth evans gangs of london pablo vadeo welcome to the movie mouth podcast Hello, guys. Hey, Phil. Hey, Miles. How's it going? Hi, Pablo. All good, thank you. All good. Thanks, thank for, you. thanks for joining us. 
No problem. Always welcome. It's nice to nice to hear you. <laughs> so, where in the world are you right now, and how did you keep busy during the global quarantine crisis? Oh gosh. Well, I'm in Madrid. Luckily, I managed to to leave the UK. So I'm in Spain, where I am from, and I'm working finally after I believe almost four months of uh, being confined and in quarantine back in the UK with my with my family. So it's nice to be here. It wasn't obviously that busy. I was busy with the kids, but not working. <laughs> and it's kind of <laughs> nice to be a different type of busy now. Absolutely. Yeah, I bet. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about your um, your background and how you found your way into becoming a, a stunt performer. Well, my background, I suppose I've, I've always been very active and I've always kind of pursued somehow a, a career in sports and, and sports performance and trying to be somehow an athlete at whatever, at sport or anything. Um, and uh, I realized probably uh, I wasn't suited for a particular thing. I was more like a multi-skill guy. I was able to do different disciplines and um and I believe that's how how it came to that. Uh, I came to to obviously came to the UK. It's going to be now twenty years, and uh, I discovered the industry through my wife, and she introduced me to it by you know being an extra and playing little parts, and and, mm. and it just okay. the whole thing took from there. <laughs> that's amazing. Did you have any kind of uh, martial arts training or anything that you now use today in in being a stunt performer? Oh yes, absolutely yes. I was um, because of my studies as well. I was I was um, in like a sports degree, uh, sports science degree, and uh, prior to that, uh, I was into judo, kind of some sort of acrobatics, sort of gymnastic um, competitions, and I was good at running. So. Uh, I could some yeah I could do a bit of climbing and I was riding horses and I was good in the water so it's one of those things you know I had a, a good background not realizing that I was you know probably already halfway through what should have been a training or former training or in the UK so yeah I had had uh, quite a lot of things actually I believe it sounds like the perfect cocktail doesn't it yeah it really does so um what what does being a stunt performer for you actually entail, um, and how do you go about booking work and roles onto and getting onto new projects? Well, uh, to be a stunt performer um, means that you have a good understanding, uh, an etiquette when it comes to you know having a, a behaviour at work on set around the crew, around actors, and uh, you understand safety you understand the requirements of an action you understand equipment you understand uh, the needs of uh, the, the the actual shoot of, of camera angles you you have a, a broad knowledge or at least you should gain that as you work in you know in a quick way in a quick manner uh on top of that obviously you have to have the the the, the skills and the abilities to to perform in front of cameras. So acting is also a good um, sort of skill to have. Yeah. And um, obviously, sorry, Phil, you said uh, what what entitles and what what was the the other thing? Yeah. So what? Um, so how do you go about um, 
getting your work? How did how did you get booked onto projects? And um, how did you find work on new projects? Yeah, sure. Well, in my case, um, I'm, I'm a member of the British Stunt Register. I was actually the first Spanish person to to you know to qualify. Okay. And um, yeah, in the UK, it's sort of is is quite a given things you know you have to complete uh, six different skills like martial art like some sort of um, gymnastics uh, uh, trampolining scuba diving just just different sports that make you at least a trusted person to perform stunt mm-hmm. doesn't make you stuntman but obviously how you book the actual work jobs is uh, obviously, having that, uh, become yep. a stunt man or registered stunt person, and uh, being trusted once you get the call, and then, like I said, having all that etiquette I was telling you about, and and, and the learning, and obviously being mm-hmm. aware, and and, and, and uh, obviously just just being good at uh, listening, and being good at um, you know having having uh, instructions given to you, and uh, you know being are good around actors and, and other members of the crew so, and, getting, sure. and getting on with, with people and your colleagues. And so, yeah, that's the main, important, yeah. that's the main thing. And do you use like an agent to get you work or do you normally, you know, get contacted through your previous work? And we, ref, um, you know, No, we don't actually, we actually, we, we, we're an actual page in the book on, on the register. It was literally that at the top of the book, okay. the, the coordinators and we are, uh, more like a, a page with all the the credits or our measurements or the skills that we have uh, two three photos yeah. our contact details obviously you do uh, build a reputation and you mm. you kind of become the the you know a victim of your own success because <laughs> obviously if you're good they're gonna keep calling you and and coordinators don't need to look into the book if it's something yeah. not that specific obviously yeah there's some, there's some coordinators looking for for a special skill or an actual measurement to to be able to double someone but normally like i said they they you you kind of in their minds already which is a good thing that's that's your case so uh no and this is not the case no, no we don't we don't use agents in the uk and uh, okay. it's more like you know, you working for the for the top guys, and then if you're doing a good job, you probably will go back on, onto the we'll next one. Back, and, yeah. yeah, and that's how it works. I'm guessing, awesome. looking at your credits, that you you certainly work for the the top guys, and you're certainly on many of the major productions that we that we know about. Um, I mean, looking at your your IMDb, for example, there's a an embarrassment of incredible names in there, um, which are just you know every every one is 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 a global name or brand. Um, but, but how did you how did you get your how did you get your start? What was that first job you know that really kind of uh, got you into becoming a stunt performer? What was that route like? You obviously had your background in sports sciences and and martial arts and horse riding and but but how did you get that initial role? How did you get that first start? Well, I have to say, um, when I first got into the UK, my wife, because she's coming from uh, the Caribbean background. Uh, she was already performing. She's a dancer. Her family were on the, you know, the, the early bonds, and they were playing uh, little 
characters and and walk-ons and and just performing on things like you know from eastenders and and all these british um tv mm-hmm. dramas so they had the the industry in the family they they probably still working as extras and and you know performing like i said playing little characters and uh she was the one that introduced me to the industry and for me the main film that, that made it and where i met uh, stunt person, which you know, from you know, I come from Spain and, and I, I never actually um, have to say I wasn't like a you know, cinema gig, or I wasn't really mm-hmm. at that much into cinema. Yeah. So, Harry Potter 4, um, I started kind of body doubling, standing in for for Victor Cram, um, the, the, the Bulgarian guy, Stanislav, and mm-hmm. uh, that just uh, made it. Like, I, I worked the the Brought me, they, yeah, they brought me in to to double, to do all the like I said, standing, and that was a whole year. So obviously, I, I managed to meet a lot of people, managed to 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 know a lot about the industry, to learn, and of course, meeting those guys out there in the corner holding swords and, and going down the stairs and with fire. And I was like, wow, well, who are those guys? You know, well, I want to be there. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. cool. So they were the ones that me too, uh, by the way. In, What's that? I also want to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, no, you know that's that's the kind of the 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 thing you want to hear on set. But when it's actually you, you go like, oh yeah, you know, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> In line with with that, how rigorously do you train to avoid accidents and ensure safety on set? Because obviously, you're dealing with some you know, heavy machinery or, you know, actual physical, um, physical accidents that can occur on, on set. That's the reason that you're there. How do you train to avoid that? And, and what kind of practices do you put in place to ensure that safety? Yeah, well, the, the training, obviously, is a physical training. It's about awareness. There's a little bit of acting. It's about, uh, you know, being, being fit. Obviously, you have to be consistent, have, have, you know, look after yourself. You don't want to go to set and having to repeat the same scene uh, for, you know, same shot for seven, 17 times and, and not being able to perform while you do the first two or three. So, you know, I think conditioning is important and uh, sharpening your skills and maintaining, keeping up what you have in a way. Obviously, this this... It varies. It's a bit like every job is different. So you might have a bit more time to for, for rehearsals for certain jobs, or you might just get off, you just make a might get a call for the day on other jobs. And um, yeah, it's about like I said also you have to work together with your department because, like you said, heavy machinery that might you know the riggers might be used in, and there's wire work, and there's all the department and you know effects and cameras and steady cams moving about and so you know yeah. it's there's a lot of that so that's you know i said at the beginning the the etiquette on set the awareness the listening health and safety guys you know risk assessment you you, you know you you want to read about the scene you want to read what's what's going on and you know definitely the, the first ad uh, he's gonna he's gonna let you know your coordinator, star coordinator. He's gonna let you know what's going on as well. So it's 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 important. So in terms of that, I think that the training and and the whole awareness and experience is is definitely a, a good a good thing to have. Yeah, absolutely. I th- I think leading on to that, then 
so when it comes to um, different stunt disciplines, it's interesting to know if you need to have, so if you're going to do stunt driving, because I've seen some of your credits are for stunt driving, mm-hmm. um, uh, but do you need to have separate qualifications? So to do stunt driving and then something like wire work or high falls or things like that, do you have to have a separate sort of qualification as it were mm-hmm. in each thing or? Well, you, you kind of get renowned, you get, like I said, you, you sort of known for being able to do certain things. Obviously, there's very good stunt drivers. Like, in, in a way, I'm, I'm trying to compare here the, the British system and the US system. In the US, mm. they're more specialist. So they are amazing drivers. They are amazing, like, trickers and acrobats and, and all this you know, whatever discipline you can think of. Yeah. In, in in the like in the UK, the British Stunt Register, they set you up with with like they, they warn you to have a minimum of six disciplines and that makes you very uh, competent at, you know, a a, a very broad uh, you know spectrum of of yeah. skills. So but obviously um I don't know in my case I'm I'm very comfortable in the water but driving wise uh, might not have been tested. I'm, I'm probably definitely not the best. I can drive left and drive because that's how I learned to do, you know, to to to, to drive in in, yeah. in Spain in Europe. So uh, I might have done a bit of driving, yes, but I, I, I definitely don't call myself a driver. And uh, there's like really amazing guys in 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 the UK as well. So they're the ones that do. Like, you know the big chasing scenes and the the cart knockdowns and all these you know mm. things but um yeah like i said you you get uh you you sort of become known for being able to do i don't know good at uh high falls or good in the water good at fights good at a bit of acrobatics or that that kind of thing although you do have you you're competent you definitely can do something but you might not be the best yeah, that's right. And I suppose you, <laughs> I suppose no one's going to be silly enough to say, yeah, I can do that when they've never jumped off like a hundred foot, like, you know. You know yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're not going to, you're not just going to do it. And uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, even, even when you, when you qualify, you're on the register, you know, there's a lot of people out there and, and definitely the young guys, they, 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 you know, pushing hard. They they keep on training. They just updating their skills and they trying different things. So, you know, you have to be constantly, you know, on top form. And and if you you know you want to be there and then you're passionate and you you don't want to stay behind, you definitely have to to do all this training and and go and try new things and uh, sharpen mm. normal your tools. You know. What yeah, would you sure, say are your sure. specialist uh, disciplines, Pablo? Um, well, I suppose I'm like I said, I'm, I'm very comfortable in the water. Um, my fighting sort of is not bad. The, the, the mm. reactions, like well, I'm talking reactions, is like doing I don't know, uh, taking a gunshot, taking a slash, taking a stab from a sword, this kind of you know an arrow shot. Like today, mm. I was doing. I was just covering this actor, and uh, he, I was sort of protecting him, and I get shot in the in the neck, you know, put arrow. <laughs> so you have to almost fall into him without hurting him because he's going to continue his uh, scene, and I have to, you know, drop down on the floor. So that the, the reaction, suppose, um, air arms, which is kind of a, like a piston that throws you off, and um, mm. yeah, I suppose that's <laughs> that's kind of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's crazy the things that people do in their jobs, isn't it? Daily. You took an arrow in the neck today, and uh... <laughs> did you take any yeah, arrows in the neck today, Phil? I, I, I don't no, none today. Funnily enough, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's, it was unusual. It was a bit longer than that. It was a good, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that was one of the things. <laughs> so when when I first met you, Pablo, yeah. Um, I introduced myself and, you know, I was talking about my, my day job and everything like that. And, um, and you proceeded to tell me that, that you'd just come off the Star Wars, um, solo movie set. Um, yeah, you just, true. You just, fin- <laughs> you just finished up a day, uh, doing stunts, uh, as a stormtrooper uh, yeah. and, you know, instantly made me, you know, regret my career choices <laughs> when you tell me with something as cool as that. Yeah. So surely there must be days where, you know, it, it must feel pretty special what you do. And with that in mind, you know, so it's not every day you get to dress up as a stormtrooper mm-hmm. and it's sort of, you know, a lot of kids dream to do that kind of thing. So there must be stunts that you're, or, you know, what days or productions have you, um, are you most proud of, do you think, or, mm. you know, what, what stunt in particular? Yeah, well, to be honest, pride, pride of you know, you have to be proud of, of everything you do. That's that's it for me. It has been, I have to say, you know, the first few years of of this career working, it was a bit a bit shocking where you couldn't quite understand. You know, we were playing a good part, but we're still being shouted and and. But I have to say, in the last few years, I'm, I'm definitely developed. Uh, you know, I'm I'm very eager to develop this. this even more passion and like you said um every single day is different and you definitely feel proud when you see the final product and you go onto the big screen or you see something that you've done or you've been part of uh, mm. a little design a little choreography you help this actor doing this it's not just you being on camera but uh being like i said being part of this being part of that seeing your name on the credits and uh, yeah you know feeling that that, that effort is, is now art at the end of the day is a piece of art um that's 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 very special but um obviously the whole situation the whole environment and how who do you work with and your you know where you work in what conditions whether it's cold or hot your um costume your colleagues it all plays a plays a big part so the, the enjoyment sure. And um, obviously, you know, I'm, I, I want to do it. And you go to bed thinking, oh, you know what, I'm working tomorrow. This is great. Um, this, this, I don't know, I can think of uh, very good experiences, but probably the last one, uh, maybe Six Underground, where we were mm-hmm. in, in Dubai, yep. shooting Abu Dhabi, well, mainly Abu Dhabi, uh, shooting, you know, for, for um, Mr. Um, Michael Bay, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, and that's a whole experience on its own. And um, you know, because of the way we were treated and the kind of things we got to do, and seeing those cars and being in the desert, and the clothes were comfortable, and and that was that was a dream, you know. <laughs> I was this like you know today I've been on a set when it's very hot and then the costume is not that comfortable. It's actually very warm. Uh, but like I said, you know what? It's, it's, you are part of a big process, and, and there's a lot of people working hard, and and, and you are given an opportunity, and, and you feel I feel myself. I don't think I would want to be anywhere else when I'm there. You know? Yeah, sure, sure. I'm sure there's you know it's like any job, isn't it? As glamorous as it is, I'm sure mm-hmm. there's days where you think, oh, I could do without it today, or you know. But uh, it's 
you know, yeah, but you it, think you, at the same time you think, like, well, where else would I be? You know, and in a yeah. living, I, um, I don't think I, I would want to be anywhere else. If I have to be working, sadly, we have we, most of us that have to work. Well, <laughs> yeah, might yeah. well, it might as well be here. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Are there any stunts that you have seen, perhaps that you haven't performed, or maybe you've seen on set or in a movie that you would love to have performed? That I would have loved to have performed. I'm kind of attracted to, I don't know, maybe uh, falling into the water with a nice scenery, I don't know, a nice background of a, like mm-hmm. a mountain, falling into a lake, probably with someone else. That, that kind of thing, that appeals, you know. Nothing that too, or something, yeah. Nothing too hard, too high, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something I don't know, falling of a, I don't know, like a, a car, something in motion, just to have to jump off. That kind of looks, yeah, looks good. Definitely <laughs> something like you know, I've, I've been buried alive, uh, facing down on you know, in in the sand, and that was yeah. particularly not nice. Although you might not think it's a big stunt, but it's probably not my favorite one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're, they're on top of my list of not favorite stuff <laughs> and it was just something silly you know being being buried totally buried head yeah uh you know to toes and breathing through a tube like a snorkel uh no, that doesn't sound like fun uh so yeah that wasn't fun obviously you know <laughs> you have to come out when when you hear the action and you know fight a pretend monster so yeah that's a nice <laughs> but in terms of I, I suppose you know any anything that's um I suppose open air, you know, on the on the outdoors and, and nice scenery, and you know, enjoy the fresh air in the moment. Because most of the times, you know, it's, it's we we do things on sets and you know mm. studios, and so yeah, yeah. So it's probably not makes a nice change to do something outside yeah. and yeah. in the picturesque. Uh, yeah. Mm. So do you do you have any? Um, do you have any stunt heroes or influences that you admire? Um, I think I'll take, I'll try to take the positives of um, many of my colleagues. Uh, I absolutely adore and, uh, you know, but some of my colleagues are really good. Like I said, all the young guys, they, they're good at editing, they're good at tricking, they do their own films and they able to choreograph things so um i suppose a, a lot of the, the also the new coordinators uh you know these big you know mission impossibles and all these mm. guys they, they you know really good um yeah i, I think i try i don't think i have a, a, a hero but I like to to take the you know extract the essence of the you know the best guys and try to mimic somehow uh, yeah. what I do or the way I train or the way I portray myself or the way I behave or act or uh, I don't know the little tricks with the costume even or you know able to edit and that, that kind of thing that makes you yeah yeah. Make sure you're a well-rounded performer. Yeah, exactly. I was, and, yeah. and a good person, which is the main thing. <laughs> yeah. You have to be a good yeah. person, a good human. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking speaking of um, Mission Impossible, uh, and of course, Mr. Tom Cruise, you know, we know many major features can still be working on a script when they are already in production, such as mm. the well-known case of, of Chris McQuarrie and Doug Lyman on, on The Incredible Edge of Tomorrow. Um, which is one of my favorite films of the last few years for sure. 
What I'd love yeah. to know is, do you have much time to prepare for stunts in those cases? Or are you more reactive to the needs of the production and having to just be ready for day-to-day direction? How far in advance do you prepare? It all depends. If you're part of a core team, which means that you're going to be there beginning to end of the fair, not just beginning, but probably the pre, uh, you know, the the uh, rehearsals and the pre-visuals and all these things, you, you're going to be... Uh, working a lot and obviously like I said doing beginning to end and you're likely going to be doubling for someone and you're going to be probably some of the days helping out with the choreographies and being with your actor another day and working things out and probably helping out with the, the rigging team as well or or you can just be more of a you know a daily guy you know coming into the big battles or coming into like a notes uh, or doubling for an actor that's not uh, you know top of the the, the cast bill and um, I, I don't know in my case TV stent, t- TV programs tends to be more of a daily thing whereas films you might go for longer I have doubled in my case um, Oscar Isaac on on a few movies. Uh, like the promise and that was a nice experience because you know you go from like beginning to end so, but um is, is that the kind of lines that you were asking uh, yeah and I, I actually noticed that you'd you had a lot of oscar isaac credits in your on your imdb two phases of january where i think you actually had an acting role in a in a mm-hmm. in a crowd as a burly man but then you've yeah, also that's, why, that's on... where I met him. I met him on on that right. one. It was a, a great, great, great time because I had to work with um, uh, Viggo Mortensen, and he happened mm-hmm. to be there. And they flew me. It's just one of those nice things. They fly you into Crete just to punch Viggo Mortensen. So all three of us speak Spanish. So it was it was great, a great night. It was an amazing time. And and <laughs> from then uh, we kind of I was like, oh, kind of have the same size and we kind of look alike he actually looks alike my like you know very like my cousin he could be like we could be related <laughs> and i told i told the coordinator and i said hey you know next time he's doing something and obviously at the time he, he was he's already been doing good things by then but mm. since then he was doing you know big big things and um yeah it was the case that the, that coordinator worked again on another film and he was on on that on i think mm. it was on uh x machina uh, was it x machina x machina x machina yes yeah, yeah. that was the one mm-hmm. and uh yeah it was great and then promise and yeah so yeah he's another, another great guy as well I've got good memories <laughs> very cool so you mentioned your um obviously your spanish roots and you're, you're in spain at the moment filming mm-hmm. on a production out there but yeah um is there any ways you've had to adapt your career uh, to support film projects and and production companies in in Spain? Yeah, it's kind of things that um, somehow you just end up uh, being asked a favour by a friend who's now going into whatever directing or trying to produce their own things, and and you go like, okay, look, I'll give you two hundred euros and eight hours. And the whole weekend has gone past, and you put more than 200 euros <laughs> to help them out. And then mm. now you become a producer. And yeah, that kind of started a few years ago. And I'm, I'm you know what, I'm proud and I'm happy to, to help because 
you know, if you have the time, I think I still got something to give and, and you know, to to give back. Definitely give back to my to my people, to my roots. And and you wanna do, you wanna help. You're gonna, you know, make movies and you know make good things. And why not? If if people aren't doing that instead of doing other things they shouldn't do well i don't mind you know um yeah. so I, I do support little projects i i'm kind of now becoming a uh or part of a production company uh with strong roots in spain kind of split in between spain and, and the uk um in a way i'm trying to get also my sister into the industry i'm working with producers that have already been working on on TV mm. and a few like programs, um, I uh, it's, I never say no. You know, if it's challenging, if it's uh, now to do with with cameras and 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 I'm learning. Oh man, I'm the worst one. I'm always, <laughs> I'm always You're there. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know how. <laughs> I, I've always been shy. You know, and I've never wanted to be in front of a camera. But um, now, you know, I, like I said, I like I like the process of building. You know, putting paper into into a screen that's that's the most rewarding yeah. thing and, and yeah. you have to work with artists and i believe you know you, not many people can work with artists like you have to listen to them and kind of guide them and convince them whether they can be doing that you know or not and it mm. is it is fun it's just um it is different something different from a, an office job or yeah a normal job. yeah <laughs> reality so no, i love it it's great and speaking about that that difference as a job we love to close out our interviews um with a question that relates to kind of making your way in the career because you know a lot of people that are listening to this will be inspired by what you're what you're saying today pablo and and of course there'll be people looking at a, at a career in in um in, in stunt performance uh-huh. um so what advice would you give to a young young person who is starting out, wants to enroll in, in a similar career to yours? If you could kind of sit down with them and give them some kind of steps of advice, where would you start? Um, I'd say, well, nowadays um, I'm finding out that um, the more confident you are with uh, just the basics of cameras and uh, trying to shoot things, you know, even if whether you like skating or mountain biking or a bit of martial arts whatever it is just start playing with shooting things with camera angles with um you know trying to try to edit things just try to put things together that look nice um i don't know put a bit of sound a bit of effects a bit of music that's that's really giving you an awareness of what you're going to encounter and how how long it takes to produce five seconds of, of a decent shoot, mm. you know, decent footage. Um, that you know, just just build that kind of hunger for you know producing some decent um, you know images. Obviously, together with the fact that you know, you, if it's stunts where you want to do, you have to be quite. Um, I believe you still have to be multi-skilled if you want to be useful for a team for a stunt team because you know you from i don't know being able to to do a proper knot on 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 a rope and and helping out the riggers and you know pulling a cable which is things like that you know but driving cars which is being able to drive left and right and drive things like that motorbikes um honestly the the the, the more you do the better and uh i don't know skiing um 
good in the water, uh, climbing, trekking. Obviously, a lot of people try to or tend to concentrate on the gymnastic side, but you know the acting is as important as you know the, the gymnastic side. Although you know I've never done a somersault on a on a film set. You know you mm-hmm. do things that may help the fact that you can't do a somersault, but you know just other things like you know the the, the awareness. Just just try to talk to people. Try to to see if you can have a chat with with someone and you can observe a day on a on a you know on a film set just just um go into a training session with a couple of stun guys and see what they do just holding the sword and put just a movement a couple of things you know movements together that that kind of thing so i'd say so obviously keep active keep fit but you know so i think about all those things that that, that make you uh worth you know being on set and, and useful for for a team sure yeah sounds like great advice to me mm. absolutely and 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 with that pablo i think we should give you your evening back after taking <sighs> an arrow in the in the neck all day today <laughs> Um, <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us here on the Movie Mouth podcast. And we look forward to seeing you taking some big falls and water work and car work in some major productions coming soon. Thank you, guys. It's been amazing. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy I was, I was with you. Congratulations for your, for your show. And I uh, hope you, 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 know, you enjoyed it too and everyone listening. That was Absolutely. great. Thanks, Pablo. Thanks no so problem. Much. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. So that was an incredible interview with Pablo there, Phil. What did you take away from that one? Wow. I want to be a stunt performer, and I never will don't, be, so I'm sad. Don't we all? Like, I feel like all of us. I remember growing up as a kid, riding my BMX, and, and literally being able to cycle it, stand on the crossbar, and then jump off of it onto the grass and do a barrel roll. And when I did that, at that moment in time, I remember saying to my mum, I want to be a stuntman. And then we spoke to Pablo, and... 30 plus years later, then we spoke to Pablo and I realized it's a lot of fucking hard work. <laughs> you have to be physically fit to do that. Yes. Yeah. You have to know judo and shit. You, have, you literally have to be able to kill people. Although when he said um, I had to fly into Crete just for the sole purpose of punching Vigo Mortensen, uh, I fell in love with him. <laughs> I mean, not many people get to do that. No, he's a... It was, it was awesome and a really yeah. great experience. So thanks for thanks for joining us, Pablo. Really great. Yes, uh, thank you. To have you on. So this week's review, we have just one review for you this week uh, to keep things short. Um, this is Palm Springs, which is a time loop comedy starring Andy Samberg, Kristen Malotti, and J.K. fucking Simmons. This sees us meet Niles, who's played by Andy Samberg, who is already years, if not decades, into a repeated wedding day in the Palm Desert. So, you know, if you hate those days, you have to go to somebody's wedding. Imagine living it over and over again. This is similar in concept to Groundhog Day, Edge of Tomorrow, or Happy Death Day, in that the same day is looped over and over. What's different here is that Andy Samberg's Niles unwittingly invites Sarah who's played by the amazing Kristen Malotti into the time loop. So we, we get to deal with two characters at different stages of being within this time loop and having to face up to how to handle it. As we join Niles, um, he's obviously later in the cycle, in the cycle um, 
similar to Bill Murray in Groundhog Day um, at the point where he's already tried killing himself over and over. Now, Andy Samberg wasn't really smart enough to figure out a way out of the loop. So he's just like relaxing in the loop. He's just been there for maybe like a hundred plus years. Um, he has, he doesn't really have any like forward momentum. Um, he's just kind of stuck. We, we find out how many of the wedding guests he's had sex with, for example. Um, uh, and what his kind of usual routine is, which is basically just waking up, grabbing some beers, heading to the pool, and then putting on a Hawaiian shirt and swim shorts and going to the wedding when everyone's wearing like shirts, ties and, and dress and, and, you know, cocktail dresses. Um, and so this feels like really lived in, you know, it feels like a day that we're already seeing. It's like going into someone's apartment when they've been stuck in quarantine for four months. Um, it makes it really fun. Um, and, and when we get to experience it, it fresh through the eyes of Kristen Malotti's Sarah, um, we see that she's actually kind of battling the past and transgressions that have kind of led her to this point. Whereas Niall seems to be battling with a direction into the future. So it's in some ways it's a play on maybe depression and, and feeling stuck in your current situation um, without a kind of clear path forward, which is really kind of good timing for, uh, for the kind of quarantine generation. Um, copyright Miles Patterson right now. <laughs> Niles has, has really settled and is really unmotivated in his lifestyle to kind of move ahead. Um, whereas as Sarah is really kind of driven to kind of find a way out um, eventually. Um, and you also have J.K. Simmons as the villain of the piece, Roy, who is so much fun here. He has such depth. Um, and all I can say, all I can say is, is that Roy is, is out for revenge. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I won't, but I won't spoil why, but you you have to watch it to realize why I laughed. I nearly cried. I found this fun, really entertaining and also a fresh take on a time loop comedy, which could start to get a little bit stale and boring. Um, But here it works so well. Uh, This is, it's not a major budget production. So kind of, you know, don't, don't look for this being like a kind of tentpole summer movie. But it somehow manages to succeed with a really tight script, great performances, really warm performances and like romantic comedy beats that you haven't seen before. And the science as part of the whole time loop that is is actually kind of believable and understandable. And it's, you know, you're not just figuring out what the hell's going on. I have to say, this is one of my favorite movies of 2020. It gets my highest recommendation of all of the new movies that we've reviewed so far this summer. Um, and you have to check it out. In the US, it's here on Hulu. Hulu actually paid, um, I think, something like almost $20 million to buy the rights to this when it was premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. So it, they saw it as, a, as an incredible opportunity to grow their viewer base. In Europe, I believe it's on demand, but also in line with many of the comments that Phil brings up each week, um, this is also being released through drive-in theatres, maybe even float-in, depending on the boat availability, uh, around the world. So if you can find this on the schedule for um, any of your drive-in theatres, then please do check this out. I highly recommend it. It's not the best movie of all time, but it's definitely something that we all need to see right now. And as I said, highly recommend it. Go check it out. So coming up next, we have our weekly segment, Video Store Corner. Slight change to our regular programming this week in that Phil made me watch 
the truly terrible Money Plane. And so what we decided to do is rather than spoil or review Money Plane, is pitch it in a battle to the death against a non- another money-based, high-concept heist movie. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you Money Plane versus Money Train. So in this segment, we're going to choose specific areas of the movie and give a score. If one's, one of the movies wins, we give a one. If the other movie doesn't, we give a zero. By the end of it, we'll figure out which is truly the best money, plane, or money, train, high concept, heist movie. So Money Train is a 1995 buddy cop movie uh, which is centered around Charlie, Woody Harrelson, who's a New York City transit cop with a mountain of gambling debts. And John, a played by Wesley Snipes, who is a responsible and frequently exasperated foster brother of Woody Harrelson. They compete amicably for the affections of fellow officer Grace, played by Jennifer Lopez, who's amazing in this, by the way. Um, but things come become more serious when Charlie decides to eventually rob the money train that carries the transit authority's daily proceeds. So basically the money that gets put into the turnstiles in the New York transport system. John must decide whether to prevent Charlie's crime or to join in on the heist. This versus the 2020 high concept heist on a vehicle movie Money Plane, which sees for his final heist, Jack Reese, played by Adam Copeland, a.k.a. Edge, from the WWE, a wrestler, playing an indebted professional thief and his team, made up of all kinds of waste and strays, who must rob at the behest of none other than his lordship, his royal highness, Sir Kelsey Grammer, a futuristic airborne casino <laughs> filled with the world's most dangerous criminals. And I use the term <laughs> futuristic very loosely because I think the most futuristic thing on this plane is a house plant. I've <laughs> <laughs> got a scanner thing that scans their money. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> to start things off, um, let's just jump straight into it. There will be spoilers, but you do not need to see these movies. Um, Money Train, I think, maybe is worth a watch. But anyway, let's jump in. So let's firstly pit the cast versus the cast. Phil, do you want to talk through who we have in uh, in Money Train here? So yeah, in Money Train, we've got uh, we've got Woody Harrelson, uh, and he yeah he <laughs> we've got Wesley Snipes. So Woody Harrelson plays. Um, uh, what's Charlie. his character name? Charlie. Charlie Robinson. Yeah, that's his name. Uh, and then you've got his brother, John, with Wesley Snipes. And then you've got uh, Jennifer Lopez, as you said, playing Officer Grace Santiago. And you've also got playing the, uh, I think he's like the transport, I can't really get his job title, but the transport <laughs> authority like boss, but it seems to be the boss of the whole police force. I don't really understand. Uh it's um, Robert Blake <laughs> playing Robert Patterson. Beretta himself. Yeah. So the TV show Beretta, yeah. 
Robert yeah. Black. And he's a complete asshole. But still, in in that, I mean, not in real life. I'm sure he's lovely. But um, yeah, so that's your sort of, that's your cast. And but you got Chris Cooper in there as well. Oh yeah, Chris Cooper, who plays uh, a guy called Torch. Although he don't, they don't say that in the <laughs> film, but he's credited as Torch, and he's basically a guy that uh, tries to set fire to people in subway stations. So he goes up to the um, he go, he goes up to the uh, the ticket booth type thing and sprays fuel in there, and then sets them on fire and steals the money. Uh, <laughs> but he does it really well. He does play the creepy. Uh, there is guy. there's no problem with any of the performances in in Money Train. No, I mean uh, Pat you know, his Patterson's oh he's super over the top with his uh insults and demeanor. Oh, but uh He's incredible. This he's is amazing, the only reason to watch the main reason to watch this movie <laughs> is because of Robert Blake as Donald Patterson in this movie. I was crying with laughter without, like, not even joking, I cried. I had tears rolling my face. <laughs> I mean, in, in in kind of definition uh, of this, when we look at Money Plane, mm. let's say if this is the year 1999, this is an incredible cast. So we have uh, the... Yeah. We have... We have... <laughs> <laughs> we have the wrestler, Edge, Adam Copeland. We have Denise Richards, also known yeah. as Dr. Christmas Jones from The World Is Not Enough. Yeah. We have Tom Jane, Thomas Jane, who, of course, was the Punisher, Stander. He was in all those amazing action movies. I love Thomas Jane. Brilliant. Yeah. And, of course, Fraser fucking Crane. Kelsey Grammer. Um, <laughs> Kelsey Grammer on this. I love this. So Kelsey Grammer, he, when we first see him, he is in an, kind of like an interrogation scene with Edge. And he is by... <laughs> you call him Edge. If, if, imagine if Edge gonna is like, he's never going to get away from it, is he? I'm not going to call him Jack Reese, his character name, because it's the most generic name. Although, yeah. considering he's called Jack Reese, they could have called this... You know, and Jack Reese has a team of people with him the whole time. So, like, mm. you know, almost like his pieces. So they could have called this Money Plane, colon, <laughs> Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. <laughs> I should have done that. Um, so, so basically, we see Kelsey Grammer. He spends all day by the swimming pool in this one scene. And I feel like they had him for one day. I feel like they paid him for one day. I feel like I had it for like an hour, seriously, and he got it done in an hour. Well, the sun like, does right. set. We get to, the sun sets, but I feel like it's the same day. I feel like the sad the sun set, and he was like, "Kelsey, can we just get you?" And he's like, "Absolutely, I'm I'm happy to stick around. You know, at my usual, you know, working rate, I'll stick around. You know, I'll stick <laughs> could I have some lunch, please? Yeah, if you just just feed me and feed my dad's dog Eddie, as long as we have." <laughs> So there's that. Um, what do you think, Phil? Who wins in the cast section it, here? I mean, hands down, it's Money Train. Woody Harrelson, Wesley Snipes, Jennifer Lopez, Robert yeah, Blake, Chris R- Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes alone are a great like pair like on screen. I agree. They did like I three agree. films together, I think. Incredible. They have incredible chemistry. 
without a doubt. Without a doubt. That's yeah. the one thing about this this movie for me. That and, and Robert Blake. So yeah. okay, so let's say let's say let's I agree with you. Let's say one nothing um to to money train. Okay. Um but you I, take do point out, my... I do want to point out one thing now that now that we've scored now that money money train has scored against money plane, is that Matthew Lawrence, who played J.R. Crockett, the Texan oil billionaire or whatever he is that wears a yeah. wears a cowboy hat has a six shooter and has a um a handlebar mustache on the money plane is playing a a game of russian roulette and and he if you remember boys and girls was the young chris hillard in the robin williams comedy mrs doubtfire Oh my god! I thought I recognised him from somewhere. Yes, yes. Holy crap! Yes, wow. He was also Sean Hunter's brother in Boy Meets World. You also oh, have um, Andrew Lawrence in here, um, who is is actually the director of the movie as well. Yeah, um, who's playing Iggy and and Andrew Lawrence is also was also a kid actor. He was the young kid. Um, I can't remember the actor's name, but the guy who played Dr. Janosch Pohar in Ghostbusters 2 in B, right. the ultimate disaster movie. He was his son yeah. in that movie. Oh, right. Okay. The one he teaches to do the middle finger, you know? Yeah. Um, and then there was Joey Lawrence, who was Oliver in Disney's Oliver and Company, the, the animated show about the, the dogs that live in New York, and starred in the TV show Blossom in the early 90s. And most importantly, all three of these guys are brothers. So this is how they're getting work. And all three starred in the kids' sitcom in the 90s, Brotherly Love. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So it's a real family affair when you watch this. It it's really a, I think Money Plane's a lot of fun. But yeah, I think I think from a cast perspective, I think without a doubt, Money, Money Train wins this. Yeah. So next one, we're going to do Best Line versus Best Line. And these movies are full of some hum dingers when it comes really to are. absolute incredible lines so phil give us the money train best line <laughs> money train um <laughs> i mean there's a lot and they mostly come from patterson's character don't they <laughs> um, i love him i love it <laughs> you do it's basically you uh <laughs> i am patterson do you know what? I'm going to let you say that his best lines because I think you, you liked him better. But one of my favorite, and it just tickled me, right? It was when um, there's a scene where uh, Woody Harrelson's character is getting uh, hung off of a building by some mafioso oh, types because he owes yeah. them money. And yeah. uh, Wesley Snipes comes to sort of rescue him. And when, when they're left, when they leave the building and they're walking down the street talking about it, he says, uh, "He says, oh, thanks for getting me out of that type of thing." And then Wesley Snipes just says, "Yeah, no worries. I'd, if you'd have fallen, I'd be picking your ass up off, um, off the. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> it's something like, is it something like I'll be scooping your ass off the sidewalk? I'd, yeah, with a I'd be scoop. picking your ass up with a pooper scooper. <laughs> it's just like pooper scooper, a pooper scooper. Brilliant. 
If you're, if you're um, a millennial and you don't know what a pooper scooper is, it's basically a small plastic device that enables used to enable people <laughs> in the 90s to pick up their dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> because you didn't want to, you had to want you wanted to carry something else around with you other than a plastic bag. Apparently, yeah. I mean, for me, for me, it has to be the fact that <clears throat> so so obviously you got Donald Patterson there. Um, and then you've got you've got both Charlie uh, Woody and John Wesley, who keep running into him for whatever reason, and they steal. He has a small model of the money train on his desk, and as Phil mentioned, we're not quite sure like if this guy just runs like the New York Transit Authority or if he actually runs the entire police. But for some reason, he's always drilling them down after every bad case that gets kind of cracked by the guys. Yeah. They steal his money train model off of his desk. And he comes back and Woody Harrelson says, oh, by the way, you know, whatever happened to your money train model you had on your desk? And Patterson turns around to them and turns around to Woody in particular. He says, you're on the edge. You're all the way out there. And if I find out it's you, I'll fuck you dead. <laughs> really and then we model. see like. There's a scene afterwards where he loves that model. There's a scene afterwards where Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes are discussing whether he meant, is he going to fuck you when you're dead or is he going to fuck you until you're dead? <laughs> he's like, no, he's like, is he gonna, is he going to fuck us before we're dead or after we're dead? <laughs> I mean, I figured that as I'm going to fuck you dead. Like, I'm going to fuck you until you're dead. Until you die from it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they were like, either way, it's pretty painful. Yeah, man, it's pretty. But he is incredible in that. Yeah, he's well, got a lot of good lines. There's a point at the end of the movie when they both turn up on the on a random train pla- subway platform because most of this movie is in the subway system, and they they bump into him and he's like, "What are you two bags of shit doing here?" <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Oh. Money plane though. Go on, Phil. Favorite lines. Oh God. Money plane. So, so there, there is, there is a lot in that one. I mean, the setup lines in one of Kelsey Grammer's scene when he's trying to explain to Edge what the money plane is, and he says he's going about all these things that you can do, and then he says, "You want to bet on a dude fucking an alligator? Money plane." No, we got to do the whole thing. He says, "There's a legend in the underworld." For those in the know, it's called a money plane. Some of the baddest motherfuckers on the planet are on that plane. All craving action. Whatever you want to wager on the money plane, has you covered. You want to bet on a dude fucking an alligator? Money plane. (laughs) (laughs) So ridiculous. Um, There's also the the scene... There's the scene where um, Edge has just failed to steal a painting and they're talking about art and paintings together <laughs> around the pool. And yeah. um, and Kelsey Grammer looks at Edge and he's came in a big kind of monologue and he says, uh, talking about art and stealing paintings. Warhol, de Kooning, Pollock, bunch of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> bunch of bitches. Like for no reason. Yeah, it's Bunch very of old. bitches. Who wins this one for you? Oh. Which 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 lines made you laugh the most? It's really tough for me. I mean, this, oh, but they're like 
they're different, aren't they? Because Money Train ones are that it's that mid nineties. It's that eight. It's still got that for me. It's still got that eighties movie feel, and you've got those sort of characters that are the authority types that just have to. Can I overrule you? I'm I'm going to overrule you. I love Donald Patterson, but we have to go for Money Plane purely for Kelsey Grammer. And yeah, like, th- yeah. You want to you want to bet on a dude fucking an alligator, money plane. <laughs> yeah, right. That wins. <laughs> <laughs> one point. For okay, one so so that's one one. So moving on. So yeah. best character name. So uh, there talk is about your absolutely no. My favorite. Well, I'm going to tell you right out. There's no beat in this. It. This is possibly not just between these two films, but possibly the greatest character name in the history of cinema. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so do you want to introduce it or do I? Oh, you go for it, please. So the first thing that Kelsey Grammer says in Money Plane <laughs> is his own character name when he's introducing himself to Edge. Embrace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because Kelsey Grammer's character name in Money Plane is Darius Emmanuel Grouch the Third, also known as the Rumble. <laughs> I mean, this was probably about seven minutes into the film, and I yeah. burst out laughing at that. I mean, it was his, literally it was his first line, and I immediately wrote it down. <laughs> where do, where does the Grouch family come from? I don't know. Darius Emmanuel Grouch the Third. Is is AKA is, is his Rumble. like father the Grouch? The Grinch? The Grinch Grouch? <laughs> Maybe. Why is he so grouchy? <laughs> is it because he's a grouch? Like what does he live in a trash can? <laughs> I mean <laughs> I just don't understand. But there Oscar is absolutely the no way in hell that that can be beaten. Better known I mean, as the Rumble, but there's no explanation as to why he's called the Rumble. There's no explanation. No, makes no sense whatsoever. He's just a businessman sitting by a swimming pool for an hour and thirty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> no one, no one knows why he's called the Rumble. <laughs> the third. So there were three Darius Emmanuel Grouches. Yeah. Wow. I mean, they like to carry that one on. But I mean, that's... that's an incredible name. That is an incredible name. You've got. Then you've got a movie like Money Train, which is, by the way, it's a real movie. Money Plane is not a real movie. It's like watching a fucking porno. It's it's <laughs> honestly, from the music to the production value to everything, the sets, it's a porno. Um, even yeah. though there's zero sex in that movie, by the way. Um, <laughs> but it's it's still brilliant. But Money Train is a real friggin' movie. It's awesome. And it actually had to, but, had a budget of some description. It had an actual budget, it had a great cast, but they really they really messed up on most of the character names, apart from Chris Cooper, who, you know, doesn't get given a name as Phil mentioned earlier. He's just randomly, you know, walking around the subway system in New York, setting people on fire, and and therefore <laughs> he's given probably without even you know just like oh what should we call him? Oh I know. You know, he sets people on fire. How does he do that? Well, he kind of tortures them. So what do we call him? Torch. Torch, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it, 
it's a great name. No, it is. It, it's it is good. It's, it, it's still, you know it's an afterthought, whereas Darius Emmanuel Grouch III, better known as the Rumble, someone's thought about that. Yeah. I personally, I don't know about you, I'm leaning towards Money Plane. Uh, 100%. It can't be beat. You're not going <laughs> to beat that. You're 2-1 Money Plane. It's 2-1 two two one, Money oh Plane. Oh Ladies and God, gentlemen, this is, this is such a low-budget movie, I could probably finance this with a monthly salary. Um. <laughs> all right, so let's go down to best death then. Uh, give us what you believe to be the best death in uh, <laughs> in in Money Plane, Phil. In Money Plane, um, it's going to be. <laughs> There's a couple that are good, but I quite like the um, when the. Uh, woman kills the guy with the with the bottle and I, i'm gonna say oh, yeah. the guy that she kills is isabella you're talking about isabella isabella she's, that's it. That's, she's basically yeah, she is she absolutely is she's she basically black widow from the marvel movies in this she kills so many people she blows some guy away like point blank for no apparent she stabbed reason, one really. with a high heel yeah I, I thought she was awesome i really liked her no she was she was really good in it that's about the only thing her and kelsey grammar but yeah, she stabs that guy quite violently with a, a bottle multiple times, and then just lot of jams it into his head. Yeah. Um, so, but and also, you did really hate the guy that she was stabbing. He was—he's a very odd, like very terrible, terrible actor, very terrible character. And he—I thought, and I told you this, didn't I, Mars? I thought he just was—it was like he was doing a bad impression of Ben Stiller's character in Dodgeball. <laughs> He just had that again. Another hand of Me stuff. and my friend Michel. <laughs> yeah, he was just like that. It was like what? Yeah. And I mean, going back to the lines, you know, because he had this thing, this weird thing for the woman Isabella, who eventually kills him. And what was the uh, <laughs> what was the line he says just before that? Uh, Rules were meant to get fucked. Do you want to get fucked? <laughs> you're like what? It's so, so problematic. So bad. I see your I see your favorite death scene, and I raise you in the true fashion of a casino on an airplane. And I would mm. say um, J.R. Crockett, none other than Chris Hillard from uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, who turns up here as the Texan cowboy, who decides to invite uh, the Mister McGillicutty character. This is true, ladies and gentlemen. There's a character called Mister McGillicutty in this. Um, to a game of Russian roulette with his six shooter and one bullet. And J.R. Crockett is sitting at this table going, I can't lose. I can't be beat. I'm from Texas. Y'all don't lose when you're from Texas. And then picks up the gun and blows himself away (laughs) with the first shot. And you hear this kind of weird, like, Texas rattlesnake noise. Like... After he yeah. kills himself, he like and his feet back- are like jigging yeah, in the seat. That's it. He flips backwards off the chair, and his like legs are vibrating in the air, like in comedy style. And like a rattlesnake noise happens. This is like this is Sharknado territory. It's like a sci-fi, you know, channel movie. It's oh, it's uh, yeah, it's like a straight to sci-fi channel. Oh, conversely, so 
Money Train. There are not a lot of deaths in Money Train when you consider that the opening scene is Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson chasing a mugger through the subway system. It's like not. It's it's on a very macro, a micro scale compared to mm. the global outcome of Money Plane. You know, this is very small scale, isn't it? And yeah. uh, that probably the best death comes uh, at the hands of Torch, who after throwing <laughs> someone under a subway train is chased by uh, by Wesley Snipes, not by Woody Harrelson, who at this point is drunk out of his fucking mind yeah. um, on the job. And Wesley Snipes corners him. And having had a bit of a scuffle, they spill the gasoline everywhere that he uses to set people on fire. And it goes over all over, obviously, Torch. It goes all over the ground. And Wesley Snipes has a metal pole in his hand. And, and Chris Cooper has a gun in his hand that he grabs from Wesley Snipes. So Wesley Snipes inventively decides to, to whip his metal pole at the ground, which creates a spark, which sets the gasoline on fire, which ultimately leads to poor old Chris Cooper as Torch being set aflame. As he's set aflame within maybe, what, would you say two seconds, Phil? Without any warning. It's not long. <laughs> a subway train comes out of nowhere and just pummels him just squashes him <laughs> <under the laughs> annihilates <truck>. him <laughs> he's down oh, yeah and he's done um yeah that's the best one in it? money train so what do you think best one out of the two though i like that one it's got more about it i don't all the ones in money uh train money uh plane. plane oh god plane money plane yeah they're all a bit generic weren't they a bit yeah. stupid all right I, I agree with you two two Okay. Cool. Okay. So, um, going into we'll go into the into the 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 the, the second to last point, um, which is the the best action scene. So we have we have for me, I liked in Money Plane, mm-hmm. Iggy's nighttime shootout, which is basically the guy in the van, the Simon Pegg of the Mission Impossible type series. But this is Iggy played by Andrew Lawrence, also conveniently the director, gets the best action scene. And by the way, just to remind, just to let everyone know, Edge, who is the, the top line talent in this movie, the buff action star, for most of this movie, he's flying a fucking plane. He, he does nothing. They just keep cutting to him flying nothing. a plane on a Bluetooth he's, headset. Yeah, he's on a Bluetooth headset giving Kelsey Grammer shit. That's the only thing he does it. is fight the co-pilot to take control of the plane. Yeah, and but... The, he fights the, co- the co-pilot and kills this innocent guy. Like, he's not a gambler. He's not a criminal. He's just a he's friggin' just a pilot. co-pilot. <laughs> he kills him, <laughs> takes over the plane, and then you have to believe that he is the hero of the piece, having just murdered some guy that's just doing his job. Yeah. <laughs> I, couldn't, Sorry, I, mean, anyway. I couldn't get over the fact that the, the co-pilot actually reminded me a lot of the principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Grace, Grace, Grace. <laughs> um, but I think I think that the Iggy, Iggy's nighttime shootout was great because you had Iggy against the odds. There were about ten different operatives about to take him out. Um, you then had a drone piloted by none other than Thomas Jane, who mm. somehow could hear and speak to Iggy <laughs> through the through the laptop that he was using to control magic um, the drone, and for whatever reason. We also see a scene where we we actually see Thomas Jane playing video games 
with a similar controller to that that he uses to control the drone. So therefore, we know he's able to pilot the drone. Uh, <laughs> of course. And uh, and it, it sees Iggy against all of the odds in a nighttime shootout uh, take out these 10 operatives alongside Tom Jane's drone. There is even a really incredible moment where Iggy is one side of a gravel heap and a bad guy is the other side. And somehow Iggy inventively, rather than shooting over the top of the pile, punches his gun through the gravel pile at least, I would say, six or seven feet from his, his own body <laughs> and shoots the guy in the face. <laughs> uh, um, just to be clear, no one in this movie has superpowers. It is it, it is it begs belief as to how they thought that was amazing. But um, And then the drone kind of hovers down after it's taken everyone out and Iggy looks up at the drone and says, you know, Oh, thanks, man. You really saved me there. And Tom Jane like looks into his laptop and he goes, "You're welcome, buddy." Grabs a beer and then slugs it back. You know, how the I mean, fuck are they you, communicating? Also, you call that a nighttime shootout? It's not. It's not at nighttime. It, well, it supposedly is, but that is clearly 100% filmed during the day, <laughs> and they've done some horrible effects to it to make it look like it's at night. It's like it one of those movies awful. you used to see in the old days, like a wartime movie where, you know, they filmed like an ocean scene at night. Like the old yeah. James Bond movies as well. You used to have a lot of stuff where they made it look dark, but it was clearly daytime. Yeah. yeah but that whole bad. film, I mean, I'm sure the budget was very low for this, but the whole thing was, I mean, when they're checking into the plane, it's just yeah. a room with some curtains around it. So there's no set. It's just they've put some curtains up and it's That's the check-in. At the it's airport. just like a porn. It's just like a. It's just like a porno. It's basically. And that plane's massive as well. That's like a proper jumbo jet, and you only see two rooms of that plane in the whole. Yeah, the film. rooms that get repurposed for other setups. Without the movie, oh. throughout, throughout the movie, it, I'd say there's I mean, like no less than five locations feel... during the entire film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you never feel like they're actually on a plane, do you? At any point. <laughs> no. <laughs> but the gambling uh... feels real. It doesn't. <laughs> it's a money train. I mean, the action scene. Well, it's pretty. It's relatively tame for most of it until it all Set kicks it up off for us. What? What? What are we actually? What? What's actually going on? So, Woody Harrison as Charlie has stolen the money train, and uh, Wesley Snipes has joined him. And I've got a bit of a problem with that in a minute that I'll go into, but he's. Uh, he's managed to join him on the train and they broke the brakes uh, or they bled the brakes on the train so that they couldn't be stopped remotely um, from control because they're trying to get away basically. And um, what then happens is that the absolutely mad Patterson in the control tower gets another passenger train to get in front of the money train (laughs) and endangers the life of many citizens. Um, and the money train then starts to repeatedly ram the back of the cust- the passenger train. And it, they can't help it because it's got no brakes and it's going faster and the passenger train can't go any faster than it is. And what entails is they need to stop the money train in order to save some lives. So they rig up a device which puts the, when it smashes into the thing, into the other train, pushes this metal bar which makes the money train go into reverse 
suddenly. Uh, and actually what happens is a very, very impressive um, action sequence. I mean, before that, before the before they crash through and stuff, there's all of the, for some reason, all of the NYPD are there shooting machine guns and shotguns at the train oh, as yeah. it goes past, which is ridiculous. Um, but it looks cool. It looks really cool. But I don't know what they're trying to achieve there just by shooting at an armoured train or what it looks like an armoured train. They're blowing um, the shit out of it, aren't they? <laughs> absolutely <laughs> riddle it with bullets, but yep. uh, pointless. But the scene when the, the train derails and crashes is is great it's amazing it's yep. a really good action sequence it rolls it sort of goes off the rails rolls around takes out all the pylons on the platform and i don't know if that's um i need to look into it more i'm not sure if that's a model or i did it, read... it looked like a model but it, it, it looked like a model but it was that just goes to show how cgi is like ruined yeah modern effects because it just nothing feels real anymore whereas this there's a that scene like you mentioned where Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes are running on top of the money train, and we see it from like a side angle, and it looks mm. legitimately real. It looks like they're on top of the train. Well, I'll give you. Where, I'm, I've got a little few bits of trivia for later, but I'll give this one now because it sort of helps with the with what we're talking about. So one part of it is it money train has the distinction of having one of the longest sets ever constructed for a film. So it says wow. it's over 3000 feet long, 20 feet high and four railway tracks wide. So it was roughly the same as two empire state buildings lying side by side. Cause they were going to use the subway, but the real subway and that's just not going to work. So they basically built their own with full stations and everything, which they filmed inside. So they could well have actually flipped, you know, they could have destroyed the set at the end and flipped a real mm. train over because they got real cars shipped over to them apparently for the film and kitted them all out and stuff. So they could well have done that real, and it would, but it, even as as a model, it would look fantastic. So that that looked great because it was it had the budget. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think I think we're both with Money Train on this one in that Money Train was you know it actually had effects whereas money train <laughs> yeah uh, probably didn't so uh, let's let's go with uh let's go with money train so that makes it uh 3-2 to to yeah. money to money train so going into the final question now this is about the plot the 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 best plot so money plane band of thieves hijacking a flying fucking casino and uh taking all the money taking out all the people on the plane and running away with the money themselves in a kind of Robin Hood type plot, I think is an yeah. incredible plot line. Money yeah. train. What do you think? Um, not much happens in money train until the end. Does it really? I have to say, right. If it's about, if we, if we're talking about, does the plot actually revolve around the vehicle in the title of the movie, money plane, 95% of this movie is on the money plane. All right. Even if Edge is flying the money plane for like 45 minutes of this movie, <laughs> yeah. um, it's on the money plane. You can't debate that. Money no, train, no. you get an hour and 20 minutes into this movie about these two cops. And it's only an hour and 20 in that they find that someone actually finally does something with the money train. They actually hijack yeah. the money train after 20 minutes. So for me, 
I don't know if you agree, but the the, the name Money Train is actually um, false advertising for that movie. They could have called that anything <laughs> other than Money Train. You sue them. It's high. It's a high concept name. We should sue them. Um, <laughs> false advertising. Money Plane. Money Money Plane. Does that not describe the movie perfectly? It does. I agree. I tell you, Money Train. What do you think? You think about Wesley Snipes salsa dancing with Jennifer Lopez outside of a bar, or you know Woody Harrelson getting hung out of a window for gambling or, too much, or Wesley starts round roundhouse kicking a criminal through glass through glass. Um. So yeah, I mean, so yeah, I think you're right. Plot wise, it's. I've got to tell you, it's three three. We come out of this at three three. So, oh, so that this is tough because for a number of reasons. But I think to, as a decider, we have to agree on which is the best movie. <laughs> so at three three, these movies are tied with our stupid rules. For me, best movie without a shadow of a doubt. A movie I'd never seen before before Phil found this video in his attic. Um, a movie that I'd always shied away from. I'd seen it in video stores and, you know, I've seen it online and on Netflix. Money Train is, should be a stone cold classic action movie in the likes of Tango and Cash or a Die Hard movie or a Lethal Weapon movie. High praise. Money Train is fucking incredible. Money Plane isn't so great but if one night you want to go home after a few drinks and watch a really bad movie that knows it's really bad and does the best it can with the budget it has then money plane is also a good watch phil do you agree disagree i 100 percent agree yeah money train i hadn't watched it so i'd seen it when i was younger i owned it on video and i think i must have got it uh, it came out in 95, so I, I think I bought that video in about 97. So I saw it then, and I've not watched it probably since I watched it then. So it's been a good a good lot, many years since I've seen it again and having watched it again this week. I love it. It's I, I forgot how good it was. And I and it's based um, at Christmas time as well. So I'm going to add it to my... It's it's on my Christmas movies list now that I have to watch with Die yeah, Hard, with Die Hard Home Weapon. Alone, and uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the winner is, with a stunning 4-3 victory, Money Train. Please check it out. It's a great movie, really worth watching, and the critics don't know what they're talking about. It's, it's I loved it. Genuinely loved it. So that's it for this week on next week's Movie Mouth podcast. We'll be bringing you a huge exclusive interview with none other than the Hollywood legend, costume designer, Linda Bass. But before next week, please follow us on our Facebook and Instagram accounts at, at Movie Mouth Podcast. Hit subscribe on any of the podcast platforms that you use or please 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 give us a nice five-star review on your podcast player of choice well there's one last thing to say phil isn't there was there go on <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Bye, <laughs> Hasta la vista, Philip. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Bye.